0: Oh, and welcome back to the podcast, Skip to the Gay Parts, the podcast where I, your host, Amanda, take characters from any TV show I do so please and dive into all the queerest aspects of them, whether or not they were canon in real life. And today we are diving into part two of Dean Winchester. Thank you all so much for tuning in to part one of Dean Winchester Bisexual Disaster. The response has been absolutely insane and I am so thankful for each and every person that listened and I'm so excited to get into part two with you. But before we dive into it all, I do want to put a trigger warning just at the top of this episode. A lot of this episode will be discussing Dean's mental health and his suicidal tendencies. So if that is a subject that is sensitive to you, just letting you know that that content will be present in this episode as it is an important part of discussing Dean Winchester and his mental health journey and his queering aspects. So last we left off, our good friend Dean Winchester was heading into the end of season eight and taking on the mark of Kane. This episode will cover the rest of his queering activities from season nine through the end of the series. Yes, I did watch the finale yesterday, yes, I did sob about it. You can check all of that out on my TikTok at abnormalamanda18, where I imagine most of you found me anyway. So, without further ado, let's dive right back into the bisexual disaster that is Dean Winchester. So, when we last left off, it was the end of season 8. Dean had just confessed that he needed Cass so much that it broke an angelic spell that the angel Naomi had held over Cass. And once again, we will be diving into all the queering of Cass in a future episode all his own. Season 9 sees Dean take on the Mark of Cain to take down the big bad Amara, the representative of the darkness in contrast to God's lightness, which makes him an angrier person than he ever has been with the effects of the mark and changes fundamentally what makes him tick. And throughout the season, every time Cass comes across him, he does notice and there is a moment of recognition in both of their eyes that this mark is changing him, but they're not going to talk about it. And one thing with the mark that the writers did this season that simply does not have any heterosexual explanation is the parallel of Cain, the original holder of the Mark of Cain, and his wife, a character that they brought up instead of Tying in, I don't know, Abel, the brother character? No, Cain and his wife's story is a direct parallel to what is happening with Dean and Cass throughout this entire season. All Cain's wife ever did was love Cain despite his mark, despite his rage, and all she ever asked from him was for him to stop the killing. And all season, much like a concerned partner would do, Cass keeps up with Dean's changing attitude, asking Sam to keep him updated with how Dean is doing. And toward the finale of the season, the anger gets pointed so directly Cass's way. Dean bringing up all of his season 7 trust issues and exploding on Cass, fully beating him to the inch of death. But all Cass does instead of fight back is beg Dean to stop, to remember who he is, and to stop the killing. But just like Kane and his wife, it isn't enough. The Mark takes over, and Dean leaves him behind. I'm not saying the parallel was a bit on the nose, but the parallel was a bit on the nose, don't you think, for not being a romantic relationship in the eyes of the writers? But moving on toward the end of season 9, Dean's slide toward the darkness of the Mark brings up another much darker queering aspect of him as a character. That's right, we're getting into the emotional and mental toll that years of repression and self-hatred bring. So Dean is pretty consistently suicidal. He has lived his entire life knowing that he wasn't living up to who his father wanted him to be. He felt like a failure as a big brother when Sam left the family, and all the times he's seen other people, including his father and Sam and Cass, die for him, he feels like he is the destructive force in other people's lives, that his very existence is a burden on them. And that's a thought that I know a lot of closeted, scared people have felt, and it is another aspect of Dean that binds him to a queer narrative. So he is frequently putting himself in situations where his death is a foregone conclusion, and he accepts it, including the end of season nine when Metatron puts the first blade through his chest, killing him, and he just accepts it. I mean, that is until Crowley wakes him up and we get our season nine cliffhanger of Demon Dean. Like I said, Season 8 had pushed him too close to the queering narrative of accepting himself and his and Cass's relationship had gotten too clearly romantic. The writers needed to go ahead and start villainizing this very queer-coded character, as one does. Season 10 Demon Dean is a similar feeling to Purgatory Dean. He's out of bounds, the rules don't apply anymore, and he gets to be exactly who he wants to be. And apparently exactly who he wants to be is besties with Crowley. Demon King of Hell, also an incredibly queer-coded character that we simply don't have time to get into right now, but we will include him in this Demon Dean conversation. Because Crowley does all the work textually of implying that he and Dean are soulmates. At one point, literally telling Sam over the phone, Dean Winchester completes me, and that they've had wild orgies and a rockin' good time together. And when the story comes to a close, we get a scene that's very, um, pining over the ex feeling of Crowley sitting, staring at a picture of himself and Dean with the song, hey there, lonely girl playing in the background i'm just saying scenes that are so clearly supposed to look like somebody pining over the end of a romantic relationship and then telling us that it wasn't the end of a romantic relationship feels a little bit ridiculous but before that moment in the demon dean episodes that truly we did not get enough of demon dean was a spectacular version of dean before that moment we see dean letting go drinking sleeping around and singing karaoke, which is something we also see later in season 15 with his old buddy Lee. You know, the one he sings in front of a bike flag colored background with all the sexual tension between them that anyone could ever want, but more on that later. I'm just saying karaoke and queer Dean, they are one and the same. And maybe it's the history of villains being queer coded throughout my entire childhood, but whenever Dean gets to go off leash, the queer vibes Go off the charts. Or maybe it's because when Dean is in purgatory or when he goes full demon, he shucks off all the expectations and limitations of being the man who John Winchester built him to be. Without these pressures, he can do whatever he wants, when he wants, with no consequences, except for hunters and monsters coming after him still. Side note, there is also a small detail in the storyline of Dean letting Baby the Impala get dirty and unkempt for the first time ever, because the Impala itself is a physical representation of the responsibilities passed down to him by John, and this is yet another way that Demon. Dean in his wild crazy times can tell that man to go fuck himself. Dean also thrives in the heat of battle when he is so unrestrained like this. And when he does get turned back into human, Sam tries his best to do it single-handedly, but cast coming up to Dean and holding him from behind is the final nail on the coffin. It is the only power that can contain him. And yes, it has been pointed out to me that there is a double take in that moment of when Demon Dean is being held from behind by Castiel, that because he is a demon, that that might be the first and only time Dean ever sees Cass in his true form. And that is simply too much to process at the moment, but the moment is there. And at the end of that episode, once Dean is fully de-demoned and back to himself, he and Cass have a soft moment in Dean's room. One where Cass assures Dean that the bad things he did were not him and that at his core, Dean is a good man. The love and affection on both of their faces in that scene could peel your heart in two. It's the kind of moment that you watch and you think, people really thought these guys were just good pals, just good buds, that there was nothing here. Now season 10, like a lot of other seasons, also peppers in more men flirting with Dean, like a deputy at a sheriff's convention. And a soft, almost date-like scene of Dean and Cass checking in on one another. One of these scenes featuring Dean wearing a shirt that just so happened to have blue, purple, and shades of pink in it instead of his normal blacks, greens, reds, and blues. The fanbase affectionately refers to it as Dean's bi-flag shirt, and that scene reads as a date. And then Dean's queerness once again gets brought to the surface with another appearance of the patron saint Charlie when she comes back from Oz as two Charlies, one good one and one bad one. He is still struggling with his lingering darkness from the mark of Cain. And then he has Charlie in front of him, struggling with the dark Charlie that is yet another parallel the show is drawing, this time between Dean and the show's most popular openly gay character. He even compares himself and Sam to Charlie and her past, She was a juvenile who has an arrest record because she was essentially an orphan and did what she had to do to survive. He relates to her so much and so openly embraces her as a sister. It's the only non-motherly, non-romantic sexual relationship with a woman he has in the whole show so far. His strong and immediate familial bond with the show's only vocally queer character is a significant part of Dean's characterization that I refuse to ignore. And yet another small moment of personal freedom for Dean comes at the end of season 10, episode 12 about a boy, where Dean spends the episode as a teenager again and comes out of it at the end letting some Taylor Swift blast through the Impala speakers and genuinely enjoying himself to it, almost as if getting to relive a bit of his youth helped him chip away some of that John Winchester installed toxic masculinity that manifested itself in the form of only listening to hard rock and metal. And then when the concept of the Mark killing him and of Dean dying rears its head again in season 10, we see Dean have a conversation with a priest where he says he had always assumed he would go down fighting, but now he doesn't know if he wants to. After discussing how his relationships with women in the past have been shallow, he says this, there are things, people, feelings, that I want to experience differently than I did before, maybe for the first time. The priest asks if Dean means something deeper than the shallow relationships he's had before, and Dean replies, yeah, I'm starting to think there's more to it than I thought. Now, given everything else we know and have seen about Dean to this point, that comes off like someone who is confused and exploring their emotions about love and relationships, like one does when they are coming to grips with their own sexuality. Season 10 also includes horribly cruel moments of Dean having to kill a memory manifesting itself as his purgatory boyfriend, Benny. And then he has to watch Charlie, the only happy queer person Dean has ever met, be killed for absolutely no reason, all in an effort to save him. I will never forgive the writers for that. None of us ever should. And that guilt hangs heavy on Dean for a long time long time. Even in season 11 when once again Dean is at the end of Cass's fists because of a curse on the angel, he once again sits back and takes the beating. And after all is said and done, the curse is broken and Cass is back to normal, Dean won't let Cass heal him. Because Dean is holding so much guilt in his heart that the physical experience of pain is the only punishment he can understand and he cannot let anybody in. No one is allowed to love him and help him and make him feel better because he believes he deserves this pain. And the looks between him and Cass in that scene at the end of the episode, when Dean waves off Cass's healing powers, knowing Cass was in love with Dean at this point is truly shattering. It is worth noting that Jensen did direct that particular episode, and we love and respect Jensen directing Joyce's for keeping that moment, that look in the episode, because it spoke volumes. But perhaps the most brought up episode in season 11 that brings out by Dean is episode 15, beyond the mat. It really brings to light that the more of a quote-unquote butch or manly environment the writers try to put Dean in, the more queer he gets, especially when you're given a male character that Dean has a connection to. Jensen just also seems to have great chemistry with every man they put in front of him, and that contributes to it a lot. I am of course talking about Dean and his favorite wrestler. His favorite wrestler is a big strong man named Gunner Lawless, who he so clearly has a crush on that it's kind of insane. Even if they didn't parallel his blushy moment of introducing himself to Gunner to one of Sam talking to a beautiful lady manager, his boyhood crush on the other side of the room. Dean's crush-like attitude would still shine through even if it wasn't the exact situation happening with both brothers talking to one of their childhood crushes. Gunner even winks to Dean at the wrestling match and it makes Dean smile and again later in the episode when he has to talk to Gunner at the bar he is downright blushing just being around him. Yes, this could contribute to hero worship. But what part of hero worship doesn't also include just a little bit of a crush? All of this is happening while Dean is also worried about Cass currently stuck in his vessel with Lucifer, and this plotline brings up a whole conversation about the vessel being Cass's and not Jimmy Novak anymore. At one point, Sam, Crowley, and Dean are discussing ways to take Lucifer out, and Sam suggests locking Lucifer up in Cass's vessel and saying it had held Cass for years, to which Dean takes offense, saying they need to take Lucifer out of Cass's vessel because it's not an it; it's Cass. Further cementing the fact that Dean's bond with Cass is and always has been stronger than Sam's for a whole host of reasons, and reinforcing a very popular point often made in the supernatural fanbase. How do we know Dean is in love with Cass? Because Sam isn't. And then later in season eleven, we see Dean trying begging to get Cass to kick Lucifer out of his vessel. It's one of the hardest moments in the season to watch, especially when Lucifer mocks his desperation while wearing Cass's face and Dean looks as if the words themselves had slapped him. Exceptional work by both Misha and Jensen in this entire storyline. Truly, Cassifer is something to behold. And then once again, after losing Castiel to Lucifer's possession, Dean is unable to sleep, unable to eat, completely focused on getting Cass back until Sam talks him out of a spiral and into a hunt. A hunt in which Dean briefly thinks Sam is dead and his deep grief and desperation takes hold making him jump to killing himself to trade his life for Sam's. Just trauma on trauma on trauma stacking up in Dean's psyche making him horribly suicidal. And then after his attempt is unsuccessful on that hunt, Dean has a private moment with the woman in the episode who has just lost the love of her life and doesn't know how to move on. And there is a long, lingering shot on Dean's face of him just breaking. A clear parallel to him losing Cass is right there in big, bold, neon letters shining above his head. Later in the season. Castiel is used as leverage against Dean in the battle against Amara. She arrives with Cass momentarily in control of himself over Lucifer and uses the threat of harm against Castiel to get Dean to give up the task of killing her. Specifically Dean. Not Sam and Dean. Because Castiel is stronger leverage against Dean because of their bond. Everything about Amara and her and Dean's strong bond with the mark felt so manufactured and so much like the writers were trying to hang a no homo sign on Dean even though that's not how bisexuality works. And it didn't work mostly because of the very strong Cassifer storyline that they had running right beside it. Like, I'm sorry, trying to pass off a brand new character we've been introduced to as having an unbreakable bond with Dean while also putting Cass in mortal danger i was a massive misstep because Dean's worry for Cass trumped his search of Amara every single time. They even add to that by having Dean and Cass have a heart-to-heart where Dean calls Cass his brother, though many viewers and commenters on my TikTok have pointed out that this could have been yet another aspect of Dean's repression. He feels love for Cass. He feels Cass' family. And the only way he knows how to qualify that feeling is as a brotherly bond because anything else just simply doesn't process for him. Maybe because of his own repression or his suspicion that Cass cannot feel the same way about him for any reason, angelic or otherwise. Though the look on Cass's face in that moment when he is called a brother, that deserves its own analysis from his side. Again, more on that in Castiel episodes. Stay tuned. In the finale of season 11, yes we are still in season 11, like they have done so many times before, even earlier in this season, Supernatural takes its suicidal, queer-coded character that is Dean Winchester and makes him sacrifice himself for the entire world. And we get to watch Dean, after the most upsetting grief-stricken season we've ever seen him go through, say goodbye to his family, plan his own funeral, and get ready to die again. Let it never be forgotten. Dean Winchester is a victim of Barrier Gaze. He's just buried more often than we're used to. Now, thankfully, this particular moment of sacrifice is thwarted, and in it all, as a gift from Chuck and Amara, he even gets his mother back. And Mary's reappearance and her entire character in general is you know, troubling. But it does give us some wonderful mary L behavior with a meet the parents moment and some relationship eye contact conversations when they take Mary to try and find Sam in the top of season 12. Season 12 also includes a heart-wrenching moment from Cass where he kills the then Reaper, Billy, so that all the Winchesters can live. And instead of being grateful for it, Dean acts like an annoyed husband about it. Furious, That Cass broke a deal that, yes again, Dean made trading his own life for his family's. And in that moment we get a confession from Cass that he will not let the Winchesters die They mean too much to him. And then we get a not-so-subtle immediate cut to Dean made upon that confession that they mean too much to him. There are even more married moments after that with Dean and Cass bickering and Sam not for the first time, being put between them and having to mediate their stubborn silent treatment fights. And once again, when Cass is put into danger later in the season and he thinks he's on the brink of death, we get a love confession from him. This time he says, I love you, I love you all. They were his exact words and again with not subtle cuts to Dean after the I love you moments. Then begins the storyline that will eventually lead to the birth of the Antichrist and Nephilim, Jack Klein. Also the child who has three very loving fathers and one archangel sperm donor. But before it goes too far, we get a brief standalone episode where Dean is under a curse that makes him lose his memory. And there's a brilliant, beautiful moment that I completely attribute to Jensen's talent of Dean looking himself in the mirror, reciting everything Dean still remembers about himself. He says his name, that Sam is his brother, Mary is his mom and Castia, Cass is his best friend. And it may be mixed with the heavy emotion of losing all of his memories, but that pause, that distinction of best friend just hits really hard. Especially seeing what we have seen in the last few episodes. Once again, the husband behavior really picks up once Cass disappears off the Winchester's radar for a while and tries to hunt down Dagon and Kelly Klein. It becomes almost all Dean talks about. Finding Cass. Wanting to know he's safe. Sam has to drag him to Monster of the Week missions because Dean is not sleeping or eating. He's just pursuing any lead that will bring him closer to finding Cass. And then when Cass reappears in the bunker out of nowhere, Dean is clearly relieved but is also angry that Cass was ignoring him for so long. Which leads to the mixtape sequence. You know the mixtape, I know the mixtape, we all know the mixtape. Dean's top 13 Zeppelin tracks that he gave as a gift to Cass. Now a moment on the mixtape now dean came of age in the 80s and 90s and has always been stuck in an analog way of thinking mixtapes in the radio are the only music that he lets flow through the speakers of his 67 impala and when he was growing up making a mixtape for your crush was the way you show how you felt and let's cast our minds back to that pretty much one and only romantic thing we have ever learned about dean's parents his only example of real love and romance in the world the one thing we learned from dean's own words was that Mary fell in love with John, in part because he knew all the words to every Led Zeppelin song. And then Dean Winchester sat down and made a mixtape of his top 13 favorite Led Zeppelin songs and gave it to Cass. And then we get this scene. After Dean has blown up at Cass for abandoning them and not answering when he called, Cass comes in, dejected, to return the gift that we never even knew Dean had given him. But Dean, not even lifting his head from the table, does not let Cass give it back because it's a gift. And you keep those. And honestly, big shout out to Amanda Tapping for directing this episode because the framing of Dean and Cass's hands, when Dean picks up the tape and hands it back to Cass, and the lingering moment that creates, there are almost no words. It's so romantic it hurts. It is ironic that this is one of the most blatantly romantic Dean and Cass episodes directed by the woman who plays Naomi, the conversion therapy angel, but it hits nonetheless. And even heavier than his actions are Dean's words in that scene. That Castiel can't just go dark like that. Not with everything that's going on. He says we were worried and that's not okay. And he's near tears, clearly shaken by everything that's happening between them. And King of Confessions... Castiel in that moment says he just keeps failing and he needed to come back with a win for Dean and for himself. And that does make Dean visibly soften from his fighting mood, now emotionally open, and says that they're a team and they have to act like one. Cass is family and Dean trusts him like family. Now this is a trust that is immediately broken when Cass takes the cult, resulting in a very tense moment where Dean tracks Cass down with the cult and slams him against a motel wall demanding an explanation. And like, it was a little sexual. You watch that scene, it's a little sexual. But anyway, this all kicks off the Jack Klein storyline and what we all refer to as the widower arc. Because when Lucifer's son is born, it tears a hole in the fabric of the universe, resulting in the loss of Mary Winchester and once again, Cass's death. This time at Lucifer's hands while Dean has to watch. And there are a few parallel moments to other romantic relationships of the show within this episode. Like when Sam and Dean are standing on the other side in that parallel universe, trying to trap Lucifer there. But Cash shows up, out of nowhere, and Dean has to be physically dragged away from saving Cass in a direct parallel to episode one of the series when Dean has to physically drag Sam out of the room Jess was burning alive in. And when they get to the other side, back in their universe, Cass comes through and we get a moment of relief on Dean's face before a heart wrenching, guttural scream as he watches Lucifer pierce Cass with an angel blade. This arc sets off the darkest part of Dean we have seen outside of the demon arc. This is Dean with his full soul, but a shattered heart. And for a time after Cass drops to the ground, Dean is paralyzed, kneeling at his body while Sam goes to see what's happening with Kelly and Jack inside. And later, as Dean races off to find where Jack disappeared to after his birth, Dean's tone is cold and his focus is single. Find and kill the thing responsible for Mary and Cass's death. Even if he can't say it, even if the words Cass is gone can't find their way past his lips because they can't. Saying it makes it real and he's not ready yet. And after all that hubbub dies down, we get back to the cabin and they have to deal with Cass's body. Specifically, Dean has to deal with Cass's body. The scenes of Dean with Cass's body after his death are so private and so personal that it almost feels wrong that we get to witness them. We get an entire scene of Dean alone with Cass's body wrapping him up for a hunter's funeral taking that time alone to break down and feel the grief in his body of that loss. And then he starts drinking. He puts up his walls and he all but shuts down, even as Cass's funeral pyre burns in front of him. Then we learn that before deciding that the funeral was needed, Dean had taken a moment alone to try and turn it all around. He stopped for a moment to pray. We have only ever seen him pray to Cass, but he couldn't pray to Cass anymore. Cass was gone. So he turned to God, begging Chuck to bring him back. To bring them all back. He fights and he screams and he almost breaks his goddamn hand, beating down the door with all the anger and grief running through his body. And of course, Chuck doesn't answer. So Dean starts drinking and he doesn't stop for a good long while. You know, like bros do when they're grieving the loss of their good pal, their good buddy, not at all someone suffering from the heart-shattering loss of the person they love dying in front of their eyes. Taking Jack into the bunker and into their lives without Cass turns Dean cold because he cannot see a child, he cannot see an innocent who doesn't know their own power. All he sees is a monster, the thing responsible for taking Cass away, and his mom. He drinks, and he rages, and he buries himself in work, ignoring Sam's pleas for him to see Jack as a child. Finally, after an episode of Dean treating Jack like a tool, Dean acts so much like his own father that even Sam points it out as a flaw, and Dean explodes. He says, I could hardly look at the kid, because when I do, all I see is everybody we lost. What about Cass? He manipulated him, he made promises, said paradise on earth, and Cass bought it. And you know what that got him? It got him dead. Now you might be able to forget about that, but I can't. Sam might be able to forget about the Cass of it all, but Dean can't. Dean won't, because it's tearing him apart and frankly turning him into his father. He treats Jack like a soldier, exactly like John treated him after losing Mary. Losing Cass activates a very angry, very John Winchester side of Dean that is really hard to watch. He doesn't have faith anymore. He doesn't have anything to hold on to, anyone to pray to. And again, he says as much to Sam that Sam has to keep the faith for them because he doesn't believe in anything anymore. And then we get an entire other episode of Sam trying to cheer Dean up with an easy ghost case and morning bacon. But it devolves quickly into Dean drinking himself into oblivion, burying his grief in bourbon and destructive behavior, And then quite literally, once again, killing himself during a case. Literally taking out a syringe and stabbing himself in the heart in a haunted house. He is so depressed and feels so worthless for not being able to bring back Mary or Cass. And like he, direct quote, doesn't matter. That he thinks killing himself is the best way to see through the veil and find out where the bodies of some restless spirits are. He even asks Billy Death, for a favor, and it is just to release the spirits trapped in that house. Not to save himself. He wants to die, and Billy knows it. This is where we need to take a moment to talk about writers taking a queer-coded character, giving them suicidal tendencies, and framing it as sacrifice for the greater good. It is a damaging and terrible trend that queer people have to be traumatized by and far too many depictions of themselves on screen. Made even worse when that sacrifice sees them rewarded with a happier life on the other side, making suicide seem like an actual viable answer to their problems. It happened to Dean Winchester and Castiel so many times I can't even count. And then some of the supernatural writers picked up, moved on to other shows, and made it happen again, only so much worse. Yes, I do mean Quentin Coldwater from The Magicians, and yes, I am considering traumatizing myself with that show again in order to tell his story for you all. We have seen Dean Lowe before, we have seen him broken, but the quickness of that decision in season 13, just taking himself out right in front of Sam with no hesitation and not even caring if he came back, cut so hard and so deep that the fact it didn't stick doesn't even make it better. Because after Dean comes back from the dead, he tells Sam he is not okay. That he is desperate for a win to even feel like he's worth anything anymore. And then his phone rings and it's Cass. We get a beautiful reunification scene of Cass, Dean, and Sam in a dark alley with some absolutely brilliant production design of a neon glowing cross hanging over Dean's head. A literal glowing sign that he just got back a little bit of his faith now that Cass is standing in front of him alive and well. And just like that, Dean's depressive episode is suddenly over. Cass is back, Dean is happy, and he's even opening up more and being kinder to Jack. Mostly because Jack is the reason Cass is back at all. And as a little treat for all that suffering we had to go through, we get the episode Tombstone. The most married and queerest episode possibly in the whole series. Nothing I can say about Tombstone would encapsulate exactly how much married behavior was going on in that episode, but Cass knowing Dean is an angry sleeper, Dean pointing out that he made Cass watch the movie Tombstone, and the I'm your Huckleberry line from Cass are some beautiful standout moments. There is also the fact that cowboy and western movies, specifically the classic westerns that Dean enjoys, are so inherently queer-coded that it only bolsters the proof of Dean's own queer-coding nature. Once again, they put Dean in a traditionally quote-unquote butch or masculine environment and it ratchets his queer-coding up about ten notches. Now in reference to westerns being queer-coded, I want to provide a quote from this article written by Elise Ray Helford from The Take. It nicely summarizes what I mean when I say this. In the Western in particular, there is significant focus on intense rivalries between men, fetishization of phallic weaponry, and what I would call intimate violence two men sucking each other and rolling around in the dirt. Steve Neal discusses how much the elements encourage male spectators to adopt an erotic gaze usually reserved for viewing female characters. Though the men are not passive, as in the prototypical Hollywood female sex object, the activity of men in these westerns is stylized to be watched, and the line between violent displays and sexual display often thin. Unquote. And then again, quote, I second Steve Neal's assertion that the hypermasculine and heteronormative tendencies of the genre serve to mask, just barely sometimes, queer desire. In summary, westerns are inherently queer coded, and Dean loving westerns contributes to his queer coding nature. Also, to jump ahead of this before things get a little sad, in the Scooby Natural episode, not only do I believe that Dean's slight hatred for Fred is because Fred is also blatantly queer-coded, Dean sees those things in himself and does not like it, so he projects that onto Fred and hates him for it. That's just a fact. But in that Scooby Natural episode, after they get back... Not only has Dean lived out a little bit more of his childhood and come out of it embracing his fredness so much that he literally wears an ascot at the end, Dean also says it was more fun than his night with the Cartwright twins. After Cass asks for details, Dean does not elaborate. And we have all since been informed that the Cartwright twins is the name of a Canadian minor league baseball team. All men, thanks to Imposter Adult on Tumblr for that fun fact. And even if it isn't the baseball team, no one said the Cartwright twins were women now did they? Just saying. Anyway, back to Dean and Cass playing dress-up as cowboys. So Cass returning from the empty flips a switch in Dean. He's not fully healed by any means, but he's suddenly not willing to just die during a case anymore. He's able to thank Jack for bringing Cass back and look him in the eye and accept Jack as a part of the family now. Now I ask you, if losing Cass was not the sole reason for Dean's spiral into oblivion, why did getting him back turn all of Dean's lights back on? If that isn't the actions of someone who has gotten back their lost love, I truly don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. Mere episodes after Cass's return, Dean tells Sam that he has faith again, when the only thing that has changed since he lost his faith is Cass's return it sounds like i'm beating a dead horse with this but it is so slap you in the face obvious and still for two more seasons we will be told that this is in no way romantic so i just want to get it across the only thing that changed between dean losing faith and being willing to die is getting Cass back and suddenly he has faith again just saying but of course Cass's return isn't a permanent fix for dean's hobbled self-worth and depression because later in the season Dean again says he doesn't care about his own life, he only wants Sam to be safe, but having Castiel back certainly gives him someone else to lean on when he can't hold himself up. It is unfortunate that Dean and Cass start acting the most like a couple and the most married when they are both devastatingly sad. For example, when Jack is sick and when he dies... Cass and Dean and Sam band together as the three dads they are and mourn him, later figuring out a Hail Mary to attempt to save him. And once again, this makes Dean's fatherly side come out. He has come so long in the journey with Jack that he, Cass, and Sam all say blatantly that Jack is their child. They cannot bear to lose him. And it seems to hit Dean the hardest. He can't lose this kid it's also very telling that when dean is trapped inside of his own mind while being possessed by michael he has a conversation with his mind's manifestation of pamela the psychic she asks him why he always wants what he can't have and that he doesn't want her he just likes to flirt that's not a blatantly queer fact but it is an interesting thing for dean's subconscious to bring up to him for no particular reason however the song that plays beneath the entire scene of dean keeping himself happy at fake rockies is called Searching for a Rainbow. So yeah, that was a choice they made. And in yet another bout of fantasy, we get a brief sidestep from Dean's once again suicidal mission of throwing himself into the Malachi box to trap the Archangel Michael to a fantastical episode where John Winchester comes back to the future for one night, giving Dean everything his quote-unquote heart desires. In the episode Lebanon... Dean finally hears that his father is proud of him. But the writers also give us a mild microaggression of John saying he wished Dean had settled into a normal life with family. You know, the child you traumatized all those years and only taught how to live for himself and hunt and fight you thought was suddenly gonna give up after you died and settle into a normal apple pie life. Alright there, John. But somehow, in that same scene, we also get Dean asserting that he does have a family. It just felt like crazy whiplash of John imposing his wishes on Dean one more time and Dean finally getting to stand his ground. And though they may small and little and broken... Dean, Sam, Cass, Jack, and Mary are a family and they are happy as a family. You know, for a moment because then the divorce arc starts and it is so, so painful. Cass keeps his fear about Jack's powers to himself and that results in Jack snapping one day and accidentally killing Mary and the betrayal slaps down on Dean hard. They do get Mildly distracted by the wrath of God at the end of season fourteen, but the beginning of season fifteen does give them a moment to breathe some time to collect themselves and remember all of the pain they are in. Dean is still grieving Mary. He's burning with rage about the jack of it all, and tied up all around it is a broken relationship with Cass and the loss of his their son and the knowledge that Chuck has been controlling their every action for their entire lives. It's complicated and it's messy. And it's forcing Dean back into the anger that kept him alive his entire young life. It forces him to push Cass away and tell him that nothing about their lives has been real. Even with Cass standing there in front of him, insisting that they are, that despite everything that Cass and him, they are real. But Dean can't believe it. He can't let himself believe it. And that fight carries through the first few episodes of season 15. Dean ordering Cass around like one of his soldiers, falling back into his John Winchester tendencies as he does when he is shutting himself down. While they figure out the ghost apocalypse that Chuck laid at their feet, and in the end, Their anger comes to a boiling point when Cass changes their plan for reasons Dean refuses to understand. We finally do get a moment to rest after the fight is done, and Dean and Cass get a moment to talk, but Dean is still far too angry. He is too sad, and he is too busy actively pushing Cass away from him. So much so that he gets downright mean. Because when Cass says something always goes wrong, Dean spits at him Why is it that it always has to be you? It's cruel. It's purposefully hurtful. And you can see the words land on Cass's face like a hard slap. And they do what they're meant to do. They force Cass out the door. Once again, I challenge anyone who knows anything about Supernatural to watch that final scene in Season 15, Episode 3, and tell me if they see a heart-shattering breakup that I see. And to challenge anyone that would say this is just a member of the family, not Dean's partner, walking out, I ask then, why isn't Sam in the scene? If it's a family affair, Sam should be there, right? But that's not what it is. That's not how it reads. This is a breakup, and it's the culmination of the divorce arc, and it's so painful to watch that it physically slowed down my rewatch and delayed the release of this podcast. But the moment right in the middle of the divorce arc that is impossible to ignore is the episode Last Call and the introduction of Lee. See, I told you we'd get to him. Now, let me just say. There are many ways the showrunners could have worked this episode out that did not give off queer vibes- But they chose the bisexual lighting. They chose to put in a story about John catching the two of them drunk together and getting angry about it. They said it in such an open-ended way that we as a fanbase took that moment and ran with it. They chose Dean and Lee reminiscing about a hot night with some triplets gender never mentioned. They chose to have the hot lady bartender slap Dean's ass and then later have Lee slap Dean's ass as they're on stage singing a song sharing a microphone. Remember, the only other time we heard Dean sing or do karaoke was in his demon days, being his wild and uninhibited self with Crowley. Lee is yet another time that the writers have tried to tell us this character is what Dean would look like if he made choice ABC. But it reads as this is a man Dean has a personal history with that cannot be overlooked. It reads a little bit like Dean is having a bit of a rebound moment in the middle of his divorce. And it makes the end of Lee's story, Dean having to kill him, So complex and layered. Sure, it can be read as Dean rejecting the darkest parts of himself, but they also include Lee asking Dean why he cares so much, and Dean answering that someone has to. There is also issue of the show, once again introducing a character that is immediately one we read as queer, and as in love with Dean. And then this queer-coded character gets villainized, weaponized, and immediately killed. And I feel like even though Dean is the one that ends it all, that Lee's death is technically a fridging? If that term can be applied to male characters, if fridging can be genderless and just means a character of romantic interest being killed for the sake of the protagonist's growth, then yeah, this is a fridging. Lee was fridged. Lee's death scene is also a direct parallel to a moment that Dean has with Cass in 1518 because Lee asks Dean why he cares so much and Dean says because someone has to. And the parallel that has to Castiel in 1518 is something we will get to, but I promise it's just a lot and there's just a little more season 15 to get through. But Lee hits the floor. Dean once again has to kill someone he cared for and take that in. And then we immediately cut to the bunker of Dean coming in and seeing Cass. And we are back in divorce territory. The two of them only stopping their ongoing fight for a moment while they check in on Sam's well-being. And then it's back to purgatory. We're really hitting all the queer greatest hits. The writers, for some reason, while Dean and Cass are in purgatory, feel the need to bring Benny up multiple times. As Dean and Cass walk through Purgatory, and for the 410th time, the writers kill off a queer-coded character, only this time it is only one we hear about and not see. But somehow the loss of Benny opens up a conversation with Cass and Dean. Once again, being in Purgatory opens something up in the repressed Winchester, and he can express to Cass how much it hurt when he left to which Cass says that it's not as if Dean stopped him. Fully a therapeutic, talking through a breakup kinder conversation while they traipse through purgatory. And then later on when they get separated, and Dean thinks he'll run out of time and have to leave Cass behind, Dean literally drops to his knees and prays to Cass. He apologizes for his anger. He cries and tells Cass that he forgives him and that it took him too long to say it. He is so profoundly sorry and he hopes Cass can hear him. It's a brilliant piece of acting out of Jensen and the seamless transition from focused Hunter to man on his knees begging to get Cass back right back into Hunter mode so he can make it to the Rift alive is astounding. But of course, when he reaches the Rift and does in fact get Cass back, yes, we get a moment of them hugging and the pure relief on Dean's face. But then media tropes take right back over, because Dean tries again to confess how he is feeling, only for Cass to say, you don't have to say it. But you do, actually. You do have to say it. Why don't writers ever let the person say it? Oh, right, because they're queer-coding us. Got it. They're queer baiting us, and they're making us wait for a thing we will never get. It has been theorized that Cass cut Dean off in that moment because he knew Dean was going to say more, maybe confess some feelings. But Cass still has the deal with the empty hanging over his head, and he cannot risk having the happiest moment of his life right now and honestly i'm inclined to believe that because up to and including 1518 season 15 felt very much like it was building to something like maybe the writers were growing bolder the closer the show got to the ending we even get another destiel parallel with another romantic relationship in the show when i leave and is leaving the bunker and she tells sam she doesn't know what's real anymore. But Sam says that they are. You know, just like Cass did earlier this season with Dean. Now, as we approach the end of his story, we have a few glaring moments of by Dean that just stand out among the rest, such as, if not queer, why lamp? For context for those who don't know. In a lovely episode where we get to see Garth again, and he reminds us all that he was actually a dentist before he became a hunter, Dean goes under nitrous, as Garth fixes his teeth. And while under nitrous, Dean hallucinates himself doing a tap dance number in an all-white tuxedo in the bunker in black and white, during which he does a partnered dance with a lamp. A lamp whose style can be described as a halo lamp. What happens when Cass first enters Dean's world? He bursts all the lamps around him from his sheer power. He physically glows from his grace all the time. The idea of light is intrinsically linked to cast, and in this random scene of Dean having a tap dance number, they decided to also have him do a partnered dance with a lamp. A scene that is never brought up or explained ever again, by the way. This is wildly just out of nowhere. How about one more parallel to a romantic relationship for good measure? Because at the end of that episode, when Dean sees Garth and his wife dancing in the window, He says he always thought he could be a good dancer. And so I ask you, if not queer, why lamp? If not romantic relationship with Cass, why lamp? Why lamp? Why lamp? Why lamp? Also, If Dean and Cass is supposed to be completely platonic, what the actual hell was up with the Pizza Man montage in late season 15? They use this montage in the previously on in season 15, I guess to remind us about who Meg and Ruby were. But then for absolutely no reason at all, they remind us that Cass links the Pizza Man to porn and the Pizza Man to sex. And then we get a little moment of Dean eating pizza being the Pizza Man. Why frame Dean as the Pizza Man? In a montage, Cass equates the Pizza Man with sex. What was the reason? if not to build to something why was that there and in a little bit of a sidestep i know this part doesn't specifically pertain to dean's queerness but it does relate to his family instincts and i want to talk about the season 15 relationship with jack for just a moment because the writers were a little all over the place with it so when jack comes back from the dead and is reunited with his three dads Cass stands sure and strong by his side sam embraces him in the loving way sam does and dean puts his hand on Jack's shoulder, and looks him in the eyes. A kid that Dean went from hating to taking in as part of his family, to hating for the death of Mary, to finally being able to look Jack in the eyes again, if not fully opening back up to him. But he does make the kid a birthday cake. And then in a weird turn of events, just one episode later, Dean suddenly doesn't consider Jack a part of the family anymore, and is completely fine with letting him die for them to defeat Chuck. Except that moment, except the moment that that plan doesn't work, he's back to caring about Jack's well-being. There's probably a lot to analyze there about his walls going back up in crisis, the amount Chuck is manipulating him, and the tendencies to slip back into battle mode John Winchester style when he's scared, but I honestly just think it was inconsistent writing. However, there is one Jack and Dean moment I would like to emphasize. When they are alone in the car just before the big boss fight with Chuck happens, Dean finally says his piece to the boy. Dean says that when he found out about Chuck's writing of their lives, That it's like he wasn't alive. Like his whole life he's never been free. Like, really free. But now, with this fight, they have a shot at living a life without all this crap on their backs. And that is because of Jack. And I dare you to hear Dean express his need to be free of the narrator of his story. To finally be able to be truly and authentically who he wants to be. And tell me that those aren't the words of a queer man. And then later in that episode, I feel even more emboldened in my Dean-Cass truther ways when Chuck says that every other version of Cass in every other world he created after gripping Dean tight and raising him from perdition did what they were told. But not him, not this version of Cass who came off the line with a crack in his chassis, the one who fell in love with Dean and fucked it all up. It's almost like Cass, and his bond with Dean, and the two of them fighting side by side, was the one real example of free will that Chuck could never write out or write around. Just like at the end of season four when Cass and Dean weren't supposed to be in that part of the story. His whole life, Dean has been on an epic search for free will, and it turns out that Cass has been the living, breathing embodiment of that search the entire time. And then we get to 1518. The dreaded 1518. There is a scene at the top of this episode where Charlie, remember the one consistently canonly queer character in this whole show, loses the woman she loves in the blink of an eye. And when the boys come to investigate, she says, I told myself I'd never do the love thing again. And the moment I let my guard down and let someone in, she disappears. What an interesting way to phrase that, Charlie. Dean's only example of a queer person and queer love in his life. Almost like some foreshadowing for later in this episode. And then Dean watches his brother lose the woman he loves. And then doesn't even hesitate when Cass wants to join him in a fight against death. A fight they start to lose until Cass reveals his final secret. Like I said, earlier in the season, there was a moment where Lee asked Dean, why do you care? And Dean says, because someone has to. And then Cass gives a beautiful speech about how Dean was the most loving, caring man he ever knew. And that everything he ever did, he did for love. And that knowing Dean had changed him. And then Cass says, I love you. And Dean just begs him not to go. Except here in the world we live in, that is Supernatural season 16, the Spanish dub and many more dubs after that have proven that Dean was actually supposed to say something else. I believe this small edit, the obvious omittance of Dean's response was the first step towards the shit show that was the finale. Because though Cass's speech was beautiful, I don't think him simply admitting his love for Dean is what summoned the empty. The only thing that makes sense as his true moment of happiness, is hearing Dean say it back, almost as if Dean had told himself he wasn't allowed to have love, and the moment he let his guard down and let someone in, that someone disappeared. Yes, I am using the writer's words against them. I always will. Now the final shot of that episode is Dean on the ground in the bunker, in the spot where he lost Cass, knowing the world is falling down around them. Sam calls him, and he ignores it. He knows that it is literally the end of the world, but he cannot bear to answer the phone to his brother because he just lost Cass, and it has devastated him. I can't even begin to process the visual of Dean walking around with Castiel's bloody handprint on his arm in the exact place the scar was in the season four premiere. It is simply too much. And him still wearing... That bloody handprint as he demands of God, even at the expense of Sam or his own life, that the world be brought back and especially that Cass be brought back. Like it was the most important thing he could imagine. I will maintain that I always used to believe that 1519 and 1520 were scripts that were completely thrown away and rewritten so that they could shoot them for the pandemic. But after viewing it this time around, and the first half of season 15, episode 19, where Dean is still in that much pain, and that focused on bringing Cass back, I simply believe that they rewrote the end of episode 19, and then all of episode 20. Because the Dean at the beginning of episode 19 is not the Dean at the end of episode 19. That's a different fucking person. Because at the end of episode 1519, when Jack brings everybody in the world back, Dean's first thought is, let's go to the bunker and watch some TV. Not, where is Cass? You know, the person you were demanding God bring back into the world. Not a mention of Castiel at all at the end of that episode. These are the moments that took me out from his beautiful story and just started having me get furious with the writing staff. Because bringing his story to a close, Dean gets buried one final time. Or well, Hunter funeraled, but the analogy holds. The significance of the relationship and the love confession between him and Cass gets thrown out the window. Any character development at all in the last 15 years of Dean's gets thrown out the window. He has said before he wanted to retire. He wanted to live life free of Chuck's grasp. But too quickly and too harshly in episode 20, Dean's story is ended. And there is a whole separate hour-long argument I could launch into about all the ways the finale of this 15-year-long saga was ended, but I want to stay with Dean and give him the time he deserves. That despite the fact that he did not get to live long enough, despite the fact that he did not even get the funeral he deserved, despite the fact that the people that loved him did not get a chance to be at his funeral, at least he got into heaven. And at least it's not just reliving of memories. And at least we get to know that Cass is there, and that he helped make this heaven possible, and that he's not in the empty anymore. And we deserved to get more of a reaction from Dean about that, and that Cass deserved to be there. But the smile on Dean's face at hearing Cass's name is all we get, and it's what we get to live on. But thanks to Jensen, we at least have that. Like I said at the beginning of this all, Dean Winchester is not a character confirmed to be queer within the canon of this show. And even our reading of him as queer is not intrinsically tied to his relationship with Cass, as it is evident throughout the rest of the series, like I said in these last two episodes. But after all this, after everything we've seen in the stolen moments and innuendo and things that weren't said... After everything we've been taught by this show about death of the author, write your own story, we have all found our own voices and we have picked up the pen. We, as a Supernatural family, threw Dean and Cass a wedding on Valentine's Day. We accept the love from the cast members who give it and we do not give attention to those who try and shout us down. We have fun, silly new characters like Chad Aiel and Connor from the Corner Store on TikTok and a beautiful brilliant fanfiction community weaving together fix it fix and what happens in heaven stories and on and on and on giving dean winchester the legacy he deserves because we do not have to be told that he is queer to know that he is he belongs to all of us each and every one of us who find comfort in him and look to him for strength when we need it and don't just take my word for it i'm just one person in this bisexual dean winchester loving army that we have here are some of your own words about what bisexual Dean Winchester means to you, brought to you by TikTok users, spoopy queer, WLW Dean Winchester and hi, Dancy. Personally, one of the reasons that I love Queer Dean so much is that he is a person who has gone through trauma, through PTSD, gone through heartbreak and loss and processing that. And he works through it, even though maybe not the healthiest way, but you get to see a character on screen that has a similar trait to you, has gone through similar things to you, and they are also queer. I first started watching Supernatural when I was 13, um, literally a few months before I started questioning my sexuality for the first time and I genuinely didn't know it at the time but (laughs) looking at Dean and seeing him as bisexual as LGBT literally was absolutely life-changing. By dean Winchester was a cornerstone in me starting to discover my sexuality and starting to cope with it. Him being bisexual would literally not change anything about him. He would still be Dean. I don't know why they're so scared of that. So yeah I can provide you proof like this until my voice goes out. But those of us who see it will always know the truth. And those who don't aren't going to be convinced by endless research. Dean Winchester is bisexual because we said so. Even if he didn't get the ending he deserved. Even if it hurts too much to remember him. He is one of us. A queer character we get to love. And we get to hold as our own as long as we want. Because above all else, he's still beautiful. Still Dean Winchester.